Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everybody listening in to Loretta McNary Live, the radio show. So happy that you all are here. Happy, happy Wednesday. And, um, yeah, it was election day yesterday, so we say congratulations to um, the re-election of President Obama. So it's now time of us all time, time for us all to unify again and put all our um, other issues aside and move this country forward so that all citizens um, are entitled to and have the same privileges that they um uh, wherever their God-given talents will take them. But I'm so excited about our show today, and you will too, but I want to make just one little minor announcement. Before we get started, um, a lot of people that listen yesterday know that I am doing a um, show on Thursday at my studio here in Memphis, Tennessee, and the topic is Memphis Law, Five Fearless Female Defenders. They will be in the studio, and they'll be answering our questions about copywriting materials, whether it's music or movies or um, your books, and um, is it best to go with LLC or corporations. So we're going to answer all those legal questions for you. And the list of um, female defenders that we have is just second to none. Carly McCullough, Alicia Washington, Kendra Kidwell, Myra Hamilton, and Danielle Mitchell, all fabulously talented attorney, so you want to make sure you stop by. Loretta McNary show tomorrow at 6075 Winchester Ridge Mall. Um, Showtime is at 6.30. Doors open at 6 o'clock p.m. Free and open to the public, so hope to see you all there. Now here is my honor and privilege to introduce to you our guest for today, and essentially Missy is, but if you don't know her, you will certainly want to know her and start keeping up with her career Christine um, Yu uh, has a movie opening in theaters April 13th, no, April 2013, and it's called Wedding Palace, and this is her directing debut. With the film, you you have the extension of becoming the first American to shoot in career with the Korean production system. Prior to writing, directing, and producing the film, you worked as a screenwriter in Hollywood and career. Highlights including co-writing Afro-Samaria, Samaru um, is that warrior movie. I remember watching that. It's a five-part animation series starring Samuel L. Jackson for Spike TV and Fuji TV. It was an Emmy-nominated franchise that includes a book, video game, and feature film. For Lionsgate, Christine co-wrote and developed an original screenplay called For Steppers Only. In addition to film, Christine has been a feature speaker at corporations on college campuses and leadership conferences nationwide and in career. In 2012, Christine represented Asians in Hollywood at the White House Initiative on Asian American and Pacific Islanders briefing on philanthropy and served as a judge for the White House video contest, What's Your Story, in 2011. Recently, Christine directed for the 2012 fifth annual NBC Scene Showcase. Christine currently is directing commercials and planning to launch her next feature in 2013. She graduated soon summa cum laude from the University of Southern California School of Cinematic Arts and from Phillips Academy Andover. And everybody, I present to you and introduce to some Miss Christine Yu. Thank you for being here. Oh, my goodness. Hi, Loretta. Good morning. And um, it is amazing to be talking to somebody from my hometown, first of all. I know. <laughs> this is great. great. <laughs> call your PR 
um, person called and told me you were from Memphis. That was kind of the deal, um, sealed the deal for me. I was impressed with the work. And then she said, well, you know, she went to St. Mary's and she's from Memphis. <laughs> I'm like, okay, how soon can we get her on? Because <laughs> you are my and sister now, and I, I have to help promote you. And plus Uh-oh. the movie is fabulous. I, I went to YouTube. I saw some stuff and read a whole ton of stuff since oh, I found out you. about you. So congratulations. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you so much. It was um, a lot of hard work by a lot of people, and um, I guess the hard work is still continuing, though, all the way up into the release. But as the hour goes on, my, my accent may come, may be coming back. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's so it's, it's amazing because um, I know what you say with the accent when you're talking to people, and, and sometimes you can hear mine and sometimes you can't. And I am very nasal today because of my sinuses, so it's probably going to be more pronounced. But normally people don't recognize that I have a Memphis accent. So that's yes. pretty cool. So maybe it won't be so bad for you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me. It's always one of those things that just slides in. <laughs> what did you say? I said it's always one of those things that just easily slides in, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm so sure. So tell us, how did you go from, you know, being a student at, at St. Mary's to going to Hollywood and getting so deeply involved in the movie and film business there? Oh, well, I mean, as I look back on it now, I really can just say it's, uh, I mean, I am a spiritual person, and so I do believe that, uh, you know, I guess God has a purpose and a plan, and, uh, you know, growing up, I was always an artist. Um, I was a piano player. Like every Korean kid, I guess I was a piano player, and I did a lot of fine art. <laughs> um, and um, But I always had, a, I guess, dreams and aspirations to, um, to travel and to just see beyond, um, uh, you know, my immediate surroundings. And so, actually, I left early on um, Memphis to go to high school to go to a boarding school um, back east, and then that led me to um, originally in New York. I was in college, and then finally um, it all led to, uh, you know, my wanting to become a, a, filmma- a filmmaker. That was not an obvious, uh, it was, I wasn't one of those kids who, you know, when I was 10 years old, I, I grew up dreaming about being, becoming a filmmaker. Um, I guess also being like a, you know, Korean-American girl growing up in Iowa, those kinds of things never even really entered my mind. I was always the first in line to go to see the movies, but to actually think about, you know, that people actually do this kind of thing for a job, um, that thought never really crossed my mind until I was in my early 20s, actually. And then um, I got into film just kind of by an accident, and uh, but once I found it, I you know I thought wow you know this is kind of the ultimate art form for me because it's music and it's fine art plus it's you know awesome story and um, and you know that and then from that point on it all made sense and then that from that point on there was just kind of never no you know never looking uh, back from that and uh, you know then decided to uh, to transfer to film school and. You know, and uh, several, I guess, uh, you know, a decade later, then it, it, it's taken me to, to actually get to this point. 
So it hasn't been the, the been the easy. Uh, a lot of people think you know Hollywood is all like stepping out of limousines and stuff like that because the news media is really great. I know at they don't the glamour part on this side of the industry. They don't know that it's part of work. They don't see the schlogging, but yeah, they don't see all the like the schlogging and pain and tears behind the scenes. <laughs> the pursuit of happiness involves a lot of pain. <laughs> Yes, it does, and I, oh, we could do two or three shows together on that one alone. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we 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 know. I want to talk about the movie and, and what it's about and, and all of that, so we can make sure that people put it on their calendars so that they can, we can go and support your film. But I have well, to thank ask you, you this because I know you're you're Native Memphian and you're in Hollywood making movies. Are do you know Molly Smith, Mr. Fred Smith's daughter? She's also in Hollywood making movies. Yeah, you know, I heard that she, I mean, I know that she did the um, Hillary Swank film, and, uh, you know, all the FedEx daughters, um, the Barksdales and the Smiths, they also went to uh, St. Mary's. And, you know, originally mm-hmm. Wedding exactly. Palace. <laughs> yeah, Fred, originally yeah. Wedding Palace was also a Memphis story. I had originally wanted to shoot it in Memphis. Um, and um, have it take place there, but just circumstances had it that I actually, just from a very a practical level, I had to actually shoot it out here. But it is, I would love to shoot a movie in Memphis. Because <laughs> my folks are still well, there. Well, maybe your next movie will be shot totally here. And do you have you spoken with our um, film commissioner, Lynn Sittler? I'm sure yes, you know, you know right. um, yes, the um actually, you know, the backstory behind Wedding Palace is I wrote the script, you know, with my co writer back in nineteen ninety nine. It's been a little while. And um I had one uh attempt to get it off the ground, you know, way back then. Um, and that was when I, you know, was, was I had wanted to shoot in Memphis. So I, I met Lynn and, you know, started location scouting and all that. And, you know, we've, we've remained in touch over the years and stuff, too. And, uh, mm-hmm. yes, I'm actually hoping to see her when I uh, return back in uh, December for Christmas. Oh, right. Yes. So tell us about, so you say you wrote the screen um, for it. In 1999, because I want to inspire other people, because they think it happens overnight. Even with all this amazing technology that we have, it takes some time. Now, some people, it because takes, they've been doing yeah. it a long time, they can get a movie out in a few months now. But you got to remember, mm-hmm. they have been working on this whole industry thing many, many, many years before even getting a movie to the big screen. And, uh, and Tyler Perry comes to my mind because he was a minority mm-hmm. um, trying to break into to Hollywood and get his film done. Mm-hmm. And when I think of you, I said, well, you know what? She's going to be the Tyler Perry. And I hope you take this as a compliment. It <laughs> truly is. Yeah, I, I hope I you'll be the Tyler Perry um, that was getting African-American movies to where they need to be. You'll be the Korean-Asian movies. Because we're all Americans. Why do we have to do it that way? I don't that's know. Right. But if we do, then that's fine until we can get our own seat at the table. That's right. Well, so you know, I, here's I, the I thing. I will pray for your seat at the table. Oh, well, thank you, Loretta. Well, here here is the thing is, um, you know, growing up, I was very inspired by um, a lot of the African-American filmmakers as they were especially coming out, you know, out of the Spike Lee movement, John Singleton, Mario Van Peebles, you know, because mm-hmm. it's like these guys were became filmmakers not just to be good storytellers, but I think that they had a very specific point of view that they wanted to share with the world. And, exactly. you know, I do believe that, uh, um, you know, we're all kind of put here on this planet for a reason. And, uh, you know, I, I have been afforded an opportunity to, to live in a lot of 
in a lot of different places, um, a lot of strange places, especially, you know, what people might think of for a uh, Korean-American in Iowa and in Memphis and East Coast and now West Coast. So I've had a lot of opportunity to see um, see life and experience life through a lot of different people's eyes. And, you know, Mm -hmm. while people are different, you know, we're more the same, really, than we are different. You know, we all are all human in the end. You know, um, kind of. At the of end that of the day, we're more alike than we are different. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. We do and have that a caller. Really like do you me. want to take a call right now, or you want to wait and talk some sure. more? We can always go back to our conversation. And okay, let's see if they're just listening, if they're just listening, or if they want to ask a mm-hmm. question. Okay, we're going to go to the phone lines. Phone number to call in is three four seven five three nine five seven seven two. Three four seven five three nine five seven seven two. We're going to go to caller at nine zero one six one nine. Erico, are you there? Are you just listening or do you have a question for Christine? I'm just listening right now. Okay. Well, thank you for listening. Well, interject in the conversation when you are ready. <laughs> thank right, you so, so much for listening. We about how important it is for us to all recognize that we're more alike than we are different. And so that yeah. really um, opens up the world for us, regardless of our ethnicity, to be um, in the ballpark, you know, for everybody to get to play if you have that excellence. And I think that's what we should look at instead of, you know, somebody's ethnic background or the color of their skin. And I I say kudos to you for what you're doing because there's a whole other market that you're opening up for us. Well, thank you. So, you know, here's the thing that I found very interesting. 35% of our fan base right now is Latino. And, you know, people, when they first hear that, they're like, hmm, that's really unusual. And, you know, in a way, I guess it is. But when you really look deeper, you know, this is a country of immigrants. And so I think that Latinos can really relate to the Asian, Asian American experience because many of us live in multi-generational families. And mm-hmm. I think just those kind of ideas um, and, the, and the close cross-cultural ties, you know, seem to be resonating. Um, and the other interesting thing is, is that most, you know, traditionally for a romantic comedy, uh, the, the, um, the uh, viewership is typically female. But we've been actually finding um, that actually our core fan base seems to be guys. You know, um, of ages 13 to 24. Now, this is the audience, the demographic that Hollywood Studios covet the most, you know, but when um, in talking with them, what they don't realize, because always their big question is, you know, can people in middle of America, will they be able to relate to this Asian family? And, you know, my answer, you know, resoundingly is yes, because, well, hey, look, you know, for one thing, I grew up in Iowa. I grew up in Memphis. And that's <laughs> not been my experience. You know, people are people. And, you know, if you emphasize the differences, well, then that's going to be the thing that people walk away with. You know, but it's really the movie at the end of the day, my goal was just to make laugh out loud entertainment. It's not complicated. And, you know, what people take away from that is, um, um, you know, what they want to take away from that is, is all a bonus. And the fact that this, that, you know, doing this movie has opened up these various conversations is, is truly a blessing. Definitely. I agree with that. And I guess I also want to make this statement because I was at a, uh, it was a symposium um, for media and, and talking about how the new market is now not the, um, 
female white or, fe- or male white, but in 2020 or 2050, they have predicted that the minorities, and that's African Americans, Latinos, and Asians, will become the majority in the United States of America. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if people are not already using their marketing dollars to target this particular these particular audiences, then you're going to be so far behind the ball um, in the next few years. So it's it's crucial that all corporations, that everybody understands that minorities are now the majority, number one, as this showed in the election of the re-election of President Obama. Um, and what you just stated is that Latinos are really your largest audience right now because we get it. We know what it feels like to, mm-hmm. to struggle and to have people look at us and judge us by mm-hmm. not only our, our character but how great we are at doing something by the color of our skin. So I think that's what makes us more... Um, compassionate and to pursue and support others who are doing something big like what you're doing and not be what a typical American as people are wanting to say looks like. So now that I've said all of that, can we talk about <laughs> the movie? What the movie is about? Yeah. I know it's, it's, it's this Asian yeah. beautiful film, yeah. funny, like you said, make you laugh out loud and just feel really, really good. It's- yeah, it's basically the simplest way for me to describe it. It's sort of like a Korean-American, my big fat Greek wedding. It's about a young Korean-American man, um, age 29, and he has got an ancient family curse that stems all the way back from, like, ancient Chosun Dynasty of Korea, so maybe, say, like, the 1400s. And we actually go back and see how this curse started. And the curse basically amounts to the fact that if he's not married by the time he's 30, some weird death will um, will uh, come upon him. And his family really believes in this. So, um, you know, for one cousin who didn't get married, you know, a meteor fell on him. Another one, like a hippopotamus ate him. Another one, like worse yet, his penis fell off. So his family takes this whole thing very seriously, you know. And when he's, from the outset, his his parents who are wedding planners, so they're, you know, the stereotypical, like, uh, bridezilla but mom, you know, the mom version um, you know, they're desperate to get this kid married off. And um, when his um, original marriage doesn't work out, he goes on a quest to, you know, the, the main character is played by a young actor by the name of Brian T., who many people might know him from Fast and Furious 3, Tokyo Drift. He was the um, lead guy. He usually plays the bad guy, and now he's in the upcoming Wolverine. And when he goes to Korea on a business trip, he meets a young woman, um, who he, you know, they end up having like the most romantic night of their life together, fall in love in one night, and then he comes back to the U.S. and they start carrying on this very elaborate online relationship. How, you know, actually a lot of people like now have these very involved Skype type of relationships because we all travel so much now. And so they fall in love and he proposes and she comes to L.A. to be married and when she arrives, she's not exactly what he thought that, you know, she was going to be. I'll put it that way. People can actually view the trailer now, so it's not so much of a big mistake. But, you know, ultimately it's about a young man trying to balance a, you know, the desires and wishes of what his family likes uh, wants for him versus his own and his quest for true love. So, there oh, we go. Okay. Well, see it. It <laughs> and then along the way, you know, you've got the funny antics of like Bobby Lee, you know, many people know him from Mad TV, and the guy is just, he will not disappoint. He's hilarious. And we just had a super cast of supporting characters, and we had so much fun, uh, the improvisation and all of that kind of stuff. So, it was a lot of fun. 
Oh wow! So you co-wrote the movie and then you directed it. How how was it? I don't know how you transition from having mm-hmm. this, like birth of the baby and then other people got to tell you what to mm-hmm. do and you got to actually tell them what to do with what you birthed. Mm-hmm. How does that part work? Because you had several pieces, you know, you played several mm-hmm. roles with this whole production. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, originally my, my goal, you know, to come out to Hollywood was to become a director. So <clears throat> for me, that's what I went to school for. I was ready for that part. Um, everything else, I maybe I was not so ready for. So it really, for me, I actually had to really learn actually how to write. You know, when I studied my first, um, my favorite directors, you're always trying to figure out how did they get their first break, you know. And, um, <laughs> you know, I found that a lot of them, they wrote their way there. That's why I decided to become a, a, a screenwriter and write my screenplay. So writing was just more of like a means to an end. Um, directing has always been the, the main goal for me. And, you know, writing before this, I was also, I worked in editorial. Um, so it's all part of, I think it's all part of the tools of directing. So, um so that's supporting. But I would like to also point out that um, both my co-writer and my editor slash executive producer are both African American men. And you know, most of the world would never guess that two black men had anything uh, play key creative roles in making a, an Asian film. <laughs> <laughs> But this is called the show what we had said earlier about we're so much, I mean, the only thing that really that's obviously different about people are, you know, their ethnicity and some the color of their skin or what they their practices and their beliefs. But if we all have the same moral values and, you know, have some great characteristics that match up, then it, it shouldn't matter. But unfortunately, we have to point that out because that's a big clue, though, in marketing to different audiences. They may want, they may need to know that there was some kind of, um, person involved that look like them because people have that mm-hmm. certain level of comfort that they need when they choose movies and music and all that stuff. I personally, if it's good, it's good. I don't care about that. But unfortunately, we have to have those additional labels to, you know, market to certain people. But that's really cool because you had already worked, you know, on the, what was it, Samurai movie? Yeah, with Samurai, with yeah. TV, so. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most of it's interesting because so actually you did the whole melting pot thing. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> most so people don't know, but I was directly. actually. I'm sorry. I'll go. Pardon me. Thought, and then I'll ask you my next question. What you were saying? Oh well, yeah. So it, it's interesting because a lot of the previous work I've done has always either been like African American oriented or or Asian oriented. <laughs> You know, and people are like, how, you know, how does this Asian person write this black stuff or vice versa? And, you know, like I said, at the end of the day, we're all kind of people first, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So who, who are some of your favorite directors? I know you mentioned some earlier. Um, are those your favorite yeah, or what well, you know, um, examples? Actually, you know, Wedding Palace, a lot of people, you know, tend to think, oh, okay, well, it's a Korean-American film, so I must be uh, immediately uh, um, influenced by Korean directors. Um, actually, the main inspiration for Wedding Palace came from an Australian film called Strictly Ballroom, which was director Baz Luhrmann, uh, his first film. Uh, Baz Luhrmann, you know, did Moulin Rouge and Romeo and Juliet, and he's just coming out with a great cast. Gatsby and stuff this um, this December, 
his his first film, Strictly Ballroom, and a lot of the films of like the early '90s, and I guess that's maybe because that's when I was in film school and stuff. So a lot of the uh, black cinema that was taking off at that time, and Australian cinema, Peter Jackson, and you know from New Zealand, and Jane Campion. That you know there were a lot of different independent voices making really interesting stuff, and I always you know of course gravitate towards comedy. So he was a big influence. Another Spanish director <clears throat> by the name of Pedro Almodovar. A lot of people might know him from, like, All About My Mother. Um, Penelope Cruz, you know, got her start. Antonio Banderas got their start in um, Spanish directors' movies. Um, And, of course, I do like a lot of Asian directors, too. But, you know, of course, I grew up on Steven Spielberg as well, you know. So, um, you know, I I, I guess, you know, going to movies and and Mel Brooks, you know, I love his comedy, Woody Allen. Um, The thing I love about Woody Allen, which which is what I kind of was trying to take away for the creation of Wedding Palace, was this idea that, you know, you can make a very specific ethnic cultural experience, like he takes the New York Jewish experience and, you know, is able to make a great story just actually about people, but it's just set within a particular cultural environment. And that's really what I wanted to try to achieve with Wedding Palace. And and from the looks of it, you have done exactly that. So tell me about the distinction of being the, becoming the first American to shoot in Korea with a uh, Korean production system. How does that work? And is that like, is it almost Mm -hmm. something that very rarely happens or never happens or... Well, that was originally not even my intention going into the filming. It was something that arose out of necessity and circumstance um, because, you know, believe it or not, I find it very interesting that we're having this conversation and that the launch of the movie is happening during the, the re-election of Obama because we I started originally the production of the film right after he was elected. So this has been a very long journey in the making because of when you're first doing an independent film, especially nowadays, and and something actually really complicated in terms of, like, doing uh, a co-production in two countries. Uh, You know, the the business, the entertainment business, is, is, despite what people might think, is very risk-averse. You know, people don't really want to try new things because there's a lot at stake for a lot of people. And so I didn't go out. Um, with the intention of of shooting it that way, but, you know, we were raising money as we were going, and it just became a more cost-effective and uh, a a better route for me to finish the film in Korea, although a lot of the movie does take place there, too, but it came just a lot more, um, you know, efficient route for me to to complete it over there. Um, But I loved it, you know. Um, I definitely want to shoot uh, continue to shoot stuff in Asia um you know I don't think that there's any uh, production system that's necessarily better or worse than the other but it's just very different mm. was there a lot more is there as much red tape over there as it is here um you know, you I would have to say in some ways there's less red tape because you know the um the Hollywood system and working here in the u s of course is is very unionized, so everything has a ton of paperwork attached to it you know and when you're on the low bu- and you know if you're doing a big Hollywood production, I understand you've got to really um you know uh you know the division of labor and the management of labor has to be kept on a more systemized 
systematic way and stuff. But making being an independent filmmaker, trying to make a film in Los Angeles, they make it really tough for you, actually. Um, and then whereas in Korea, of course, it's the complete opposite. There are no unions. <laughs> so we had, so sometimes we had like a 24-hour day scheduled, you know, on the schedule actually. So we'll start at 5 a.m. and then we're going to wrap at 5 a.m. the next day. <laughs> you know, crazy <laughs> stuff like that, <laughs> which would oh, never, of course, goodness. lie here, <laughs> you know. And they're just like they do it. Those things that people don't know about how many hours you have to put in a day to make something happen, and it's just not yeah. even the entire movie. You would think the entire movie is shot if you say that many hours. It is, yeah, it's real crazy. And um, but you know, I enjoyed it a lot. Kind of the main difference, what I would say, is um, being a director in Korea or Asia. And I've heard that this is like what it's like in other parts of Asia too. Is more like you're a king. Whereas here, you're kind of more like an elected official, you know, <laughs> especially being a first-time director. You know, you're sort of like an elected councilman or something like that, you know. <laughs> I like that analogy. I've so. never heard it put that way before. <laughs> uh, and, and that's you know. how it is for me, too. I feel that way here. I'm just an elected official when I'm here in Memphis doing shows. But when I travel to other states and cities and stuff, I feel like I'm a queen because I get treated really, really well. <laughs> right. So I can relate to that. I, I can totally relate to that analogy. Wow. Okay. So that's cool. So where I wanted to go with the interview now, how did your parents feel about you going into such a, as you say, diverse, diverse um, industry? You know, I have to say, i got to applaud my parents. They have always been really incredibly supportive. So all the, you know, Asian listeners that might be out there or anybody else, you know, my, my dad was actually the one that suggested I go to film school. Hey. So they've been, yeah, so they've been really, I think, you know, they probably knew from very early on that I had an inclination towards the arts. So they were always... Mm-hmm actually really encouraging. My dad always um, encouraged me to follow my dreams um, more than anything else um, and always encouraged us to um, find what our passion is and just to, you know, to go for it. Because, you know, he, he he's also, he's done that uh, with his life as well. So um, that's just what I grew up with. Oh, okay. So it was a like everybody wanted you to be uh, an attorney or a doctor or a physicist or an astronaut when you wanted to go into the arts. Because yeah, you know, parents want like, you yeah. to have something where they feel like you're going to get a paycheck every week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, surprisingly, um, yeah, both of my parents are dreamers, I would say. Um, and they're very uh, – my dad is a, is a scientist, actually. He's a research – medical doctor and a research scientist. He's, you know, at UT Medical Center for – he was uh, over there. Um, and he also has continued to do a lot of research. And so for what he does in his field, he's a really creative guy. You know, he's he's discovered a lot of diseases and stuff like that. Um, and my mom is, is a very inc- incredibly uh, artistic person. Um, so I think, you know, so growing up, one, that was always kind of valued in our household uh, to be creative and, you know, culturally, I guess, aware. So growing up, you know, whenever we'd take vacations and stuff, um, I would end up being more exhausted coming back because my mom would be like, okay, we have to go see, like, every single museum in this place. 
Oh, no, I, I have to say I'm like that, too. You just can't go and have a vacation and, and just be entertained. You have to get some culture, too. you got to go see the right. gym. you got to go see the zoo that's in the city. You, know, you just got to exactly. do it myself. Like, Mom, we're teenagers. I'm like, oh, I know that. Let's do <laughs> Wait, now, are you dragging to the Aquarius? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't so tell your mom we're kindred spirits. We understand. Yeah. <laughs> we definitely understand. So I also <laughs> wanted to talk about what's next for you, and then we'll talk some more about the movie because I really want those people, because sometimes we'll have people that tune in a little later in the broadcast, so we'll make sure we talk uh-huh. about the movie some more. But I also want to know what's next. Are you working on another movie? Um, what can, what um, else can we uh, start supporting you in? Well, right now, I mean, I have another project planned, um, another feature um, uh, that is a romantic comedy, and I am uh, just finished wrapped up my uh, first commercial series for uh, um, for Yogurtland franchising. They're a um, yogurt, uh, frozen yogurt uh, franchise uh, store, I guess. Um, they have about 200 stores nationwide. Um, but really, in order for me to successfully get these next projects and next feature and stuff launched, I kind of have to finish what I started, you know, which is Wedding mm-hmm. Palace, essentially, and getting mm-hmm. it out there um, into theaters on, on April 12th. April 12th, okay, i got to write that down so I can, I, I will definitely help promote on my end, and when you get here, we have to, you know, we, David and I talked about you being my guest on my TV show as well, so. Um, yeah, I let's just, do it. Because you're from Memphis, and you're doing big things, and, you know, I don't want to, I probably shouldn't say this, because I said I was going to let this election go, <laughs> but I don't <laughs> want you to not win in Tennessee, you know, I mean, in Memphis, and you're from Memphis, so I want to make sure that we do a great job of promoting and marketing and letting people see you as a, as a you know, as a person, as a woman who is from Memphis and doing great and big and wonderful things. So we'll make sure we make that happen. Oh, thank you, Loretta. I really appreciate the hometown support. You know, whenever I tell people right. I'm from Memphis, they can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're like, you're from where? <laughs> I said, yes, my big claim to fame is my uncle taught Elvis Presley Taekwondo, taught, taught him karate. <laughs> yeah, David told me that. And so you, your story is so unique, and I'm glad you said that because I'm one of those people. I can laugh at some things and um, because, you know, when I when I talk to people on the phone, then when they see me and then they, they hear I'm from Memphis and, and they see that I'm African-American, it just changes, you know, the whole trajectory of the conversation sometimes, but I understand what you're saying. When they see you, they see, you know, an Asian American, and then you say you're from Memphis, so, like, we don't have Asian Americans in Memphis, (laughs) so I totally get that. (laughs) I do, and and you have to use that. Use that to your advantage. (laughs) That's right. Definitely use that to your advantage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of hometown support. You know, I'm still in touch with a lot of people from uh, my St. Mary's classmates, actually. So, um, I and th- that's been the greatest thing about doing this movie, too, is that it's um, afforded me an opportunity to do some more traveling. And I, so I've reconnected, you know, with my classmates who are now in D.C. and New York and uh, all mm-hmm. over the place. So it's it's pretty awesome. And also, you know, right back at home, too. 
Yes, and that's what we have yes. to do. We have to build upon those relationships and, and you know, nurture them because you never know. You, you know, you never know if you had not nurtured those right. relationships, if you'd be able to call on those people in D.C. and L.A. and New York, you know, to, to help you mm-hmm. promote Wedding Palace. So how did you come mm-hmm. up with the name Wedding Palace? Was it always Wedding Palace or you eventually changed it to Wedding Palace? Yeah, we did eventually change it to Wedding Palace. Um, it was, the movie was originally called Shortcomings, <laughs> and I don't know if you've seen the trailer or not, but it was kind of connected to that. Um, but then when we were starting to get the project out there and financed, um, I guess there's some statistic that says that you know uh, that movies with the word wedding in them have more attraction. So they're like, well, you've got you know three weddings in the movie. You've got to put the you got to put the word wedding in the title. So that's where it came from. Yeah. And then the, the place where uh, the main character's parents work is called wedding the wedding palace. Mhm. Okay. I just can't wait because I I love wedding movies. I do. I love to watch them, especially when they combine comedy with them. Those are the funny uh-huh. ones because you have to have that expression. You just can't. It can't be that serious. You have a heart attack. So, um, right. And most weddings <laughs> do have that that feature in them built in. If you talk to the the groom or the bride or people at the pen, there was something funny that happened. Maybe not at the wedding, oh, but yeah. prior to it. <laughs> so I'm glad that you, you made sure that it, it will be a comedy so people can really, you know, laugh, as you said, out loud and, and talk about it for a long time. And who knows, maybe it'd be an, a wedding palace, too, or something. But um, I'm always one of those people. But I know you have to really promote this one. You, you have to have something ready and in place in case somebody asks for it. You can't really touch it until you have done this one to do diligence. So. I guess you will breathe, eat, and sleep wedding palace <laughs> until we get it used yes. and does really well in the ratings. So we want people to go see it, go see it, go see it. Will you do like a tour? And um, oh, I know what I want to ask you. Did you mm-hmm. uh, was the movie ever in any film festivals prior to this? Yeah, we've done a lot of film festivals. Um, we've played a lot of uh, mostly like Asian American film festivals nationwide. Um, The funny thing about this movie is um, I've heard actually from a lot of film festival people, like a lot of the more mainstream film festivals, that they say that Wedding Palace is actually not a festival movie (laughs) because it's more of a comedy. You know, a lot of film festivals nowadays concentrate more on, like, darker, edgier type of material. And Mm -hmm. that's also been a big – so we've played, you know, festivals in, of course, in L.A., um, New York, uh, Boston, I just came from there, Atlanta, um, where else, Texas, um, in Dallas, um, Philly. Um, and, uh, you know, the interesting thing, though, about Asian film festivals is, the, of course, they attract a very wide, diverse crowd. And then we've done a lot of colleges as well, um, all up and down the northern, you know, the northeast um Cornell, Wellesley, MIT, and then out here we've also done, like, Portland, and, you know, we just have a screening at USC. Um, So we've done a lot of different um, events, and that's really why it's been the audience response that has just um, really made me determined to get the movie out there on the theater level because I just see what the response has been, you know. So Uh I see that, excuse me, 
that um, all different kinds of people are responding to the movie, not just Asian people. So that's really has been the um, the inspiration for uh, for for getting this, you know, for wanting to really get this out there in, in a real way, you know, and not really wanting to settle for what the industry tells you to settle for. Absolutely. I'm glad you didn't listen to the industry. I'm so happy that you did not. So when you decided to do the um to do wedding plays as a big screen movie, um mm-hmm. was was your intent for it to be a crossover film for all audiences or were you doing something to inspire Asian Americans and to just, you know, to or or were well, you gonna or were you hoping that everybody would say, Hey, we can enjoy this too? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it goes hand in hand. Um, one, just <clears throat> offering uh, more diverse opportunities to Asian American performers and getting a more diverse um, story out there, a more accurate story out there of who we are. But then also, you know, really just uh, trying to uh, ultimately, of course, I'm an artist first and uh, just trying to create the best movie possible that it doesn't matter, you know, you're not trying to play it to one specific type of people, you just want to make it, you know, for just people to enjoy in general, um, regardless of where they come from, um, and just create a real human story and something that is, um, something that's entertaining. You know, we see so many movies nowadays that are, like, dark and depressing and, you know, and and the times that we live in, um, hey, let's, let's laugh a little, let's, let's come together. (laughs) No, let's get away from it just temporarily, you know, and I, I agree with you. That is, that's very healthy, though, for us to do as as people to, to not always be in the dark and dreary. I have a question from our chat room that's um, available, and they wanted to know, can you um, tell us how a new filmmaker, was, what, what, wait a minute, what steps can a new filmmaker take to get into the big screen? What steps do, can a new filmmaker take? Mm-hmm. Are they... Um, well, the first step is really just to to make films. Um, I mean, as, as basic as that sounds, whether that be short films. Um, and the the step, the thing that I learned in making this in making this feature is that somehow I thought, well, you know, hey, I've paid my dues, I've worked very hard, um, uh, you know, somehow somebody will recognize this and opportunities will be. Um, will be um, somehow forwarded in the universe to me. Um, and it really just doesn't work that way. You know, it, this is a really highly competitive business. And so I kind of, to make Wedding Palace a reality, I ended up just, in a lot of ways, going back to my short film and film school roots and just went out there and made it and, you know, kind of forget the rest. You know, you just go out there and make the best film possible on your terms. And um, um, and just go out there and do it as 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 basic as that sounds. Because um, the more you keep on making films, the better you get too. Right. Okay, we have another question. Did you shop the film to major houses, or did you want to be independent? Yeah, I first shopped the movie um, to you know to, had all different kinds of people read it, um, and was. The, the script itself ended up getting me all of my writing jobs over the years, but the idea, I think, of doing a all Asian cast movie shot in two countries, you know, not a lot of people are running to finance something like that. 
So while it was not my first choice, um, it, of course, the, the market conditions forced me to, to go out and strike out on my own. And, you know, looking back, I do believe that it was a blessing in disguise. Okay. I, I like that. And and I get that question, too. Lauren, did you shop your show to, like, the NBCs, the 13s? And I'm like, um, not really. I haven't yet because I really want to try it on my own before I do that because I know if, when that happens and that's when syndication happens, I will probably have to give up some of my own creativity. And so I'm mm-hmm. trying to use it as much as I can, you mm-hmm. know, as long as I can. <laughs> But eventually, yeah. I would love for one of the major studios to um, say, hey, Loretta, we want to um, give you this contract deal. That would be awesome. Okay, so yeah. I had a, another question. Did you have something else to add to that? Well, you know, I, it was interesting because recently I've been doing some uh, some reading up on uh, Carl Lemley, who was the, actually the founder of Universal Studios. Okay, and he ended up, you know, a lot of the what people don't realize is that a lot of the the Hollywood studios they were formed as a uh, rebellion, actually, to um, what was going on on the East Coast where the where the motion picture industry was launched, the motion picture patent company. They kind of had a lock on making movies when they when movies first started. And Carl Lemley, he had a vision for new content where he wanted to create longer movies than, the, than you know, the five, 15-second, 20-second reels that people would, you know, pay a nickel for, you know, to go into these kind of arcades to see. And, you know, he decided and nobody wanted to, to showcase his stuff because it was longer. And he wanted to make a different kind of content. And that was, of course, the birth of, you know, the, the concept of a longer longer form or, or movies, real full-length feature films. And so he decided to strike out on his own and go against uh, the powers that be to, so that he could determine his own um, destiny and make movies the way he wanted to do. So, you know, in a lot of ways, we look at Hollywood as, you know, of course, as now this big establishment. But how these guys started, they started in rebellion, you know, rebellion against the, uh, the, the, the structure that exists. And, you know, I kind of feel like I'm in the same boat. You know, the structure that exists just doesn't, um, is not going to recognize the content um, of Wedding Palace in a way that that there is an opportunity for it to be, you know, to go out there in the marketplace. So that's what what this whole thing is about. Right, definitely. And once you build your own brand like that and you build up this um, huge audience that really will be following you and going to see your films and requesting um, many theaters to have them um, shown there, then they'll start coming to you. But then you are more valuable you can get a bigger contract. That's my mentality for what I'm doing. And I'm, mm-hmm. I, it sounds like that's what you're doing, too. You're going to yeah, create I mean, your own. You're going to take the world and travel first. That's right. I mean, we're talking to each other right now because of just direct communication through the Internet, you know? Yeah. And that that kind of thing wouldn't have been possible, you know, even a, a ten years ago. So, so here we are, Loretta. <laughs> I know, and I want to spend this portion of what's left in the show, of course, to talk about wedding house and to make sure we keep reminding people how they can reach you, how they can um, is there a Facebook page because you know social media gets presidents elected and officials elected, so they can certainly get your movie. Um, um, Oscar nominated and all that good stuff. So we want to make sure people know how to, you know, follow you. 
So how yeah, can they, they can find follow you us on? on uh, yeah, we're on Facebook. They can go to um, uh, just Wedding Palace Movie. You can find us on Facebook. You can also go to www.weddingpalacemovie.com. You can click there and see the trailer. Our trailer is also on YouTube. Just um, anything under Wedding Palace, uh, Wedding Palace Movie, um, on Facebook, on Twitter, on um, and on the web. You know, our our own website. And we are we have launched a um, online crowdfunding Indiegogo campaign to help support bring the bringing the movie into theaters. And you know, I want to come to Memphis. <laughs> You will come to Memphis. Okay, so tell us how, how the crowdfunding, crowdsourcing funding mm-hmm. works so we can find that and for those who want to uh, help support you financially, they can. Mm-hmm. Well, you can just go to um, www.weddingpalacemovie.com and click through. Okay. There's like a big a big click button there. And um, and then that will lead us lead people to the um, online uh, crowdfunding the the online fundraising campaign, and it's on Indiegogo.com, which is a uh, established uh, online site. And people there, you can buy the DVD now, and it's basically just kind of like helping us out by pre-ordering items such as DVDs, movie tickets. Uh, we wrote books, um, and also even premiere tickets and stuff. So, you know, there's also, I think, a magazine there. There's a lot of different fun prizes and stuff or awards. And all of this is going to go directly to helping to get the movie into into theaters. Why? And I want people to understand people this is how it's her. done. This is, I yeah. mean, she didn't create this. You have to have funding. All movies have to have funding. So um, why not help somebody that we can reach out and touch, somebody we're familiar with and that we support and we know her work is excellent. So I encourage everybody to, to give something. How about a red carpet here? Are you going to do a red carpet here for the um, premiere of the movie? I would love to come to Memphis to do that. You know, I mean, the greatest thing about doing this campaign is that uh, it, um, you know, even uh, like like us, for instance, we ended up getting in contact that way. And it has um, um, actually just uh, um, a lot of people have been contacting me, and our um, our release is perhaps looking larger than what we originally had thought. Um, so, you know, we're actually offering people and opportunity and also investors, you know, they can also contact us directly, um, info at weddingpalacemovie.com about how to bring the movie into your city um, and open the movie and also help create jobs in uh, your local city uh, because a lot of the funding is being going to be spent locally to, to, uh, to, to, to bring the movie into theaters there, you know. So we have a really interesting and innovative um, uh, plan, and it's also is about um, cultivating a uh, a um, an appetite, I guess, for people to also invest into entertainment because it is it is a business, and and we are um, seeking um, uh, entrepreneurial uh, type minded people and people who want to make a difference out there in their community um, to to get involved. And I just want to remind people, um, some of my listeners may have just tuned in, and of course you know you're listening to Loretta McNary Live, but our guest today is um, film director Christine Yu, and she has a new debut film, 
starting April 12th, and it's called Wedding Palace, and you got to go check it out. You have to go check it out and support her. She is um, dark to Memphis because she attended school here, lived here for a while, so we're going to make sure we do everything we can to support her, and she's done other things, too, and has some things that were Emmy-nominated. So um, make sure you remember the name, Christine Yu, and that's Y-O-O, Christine Y-O-O. Look her up, Google her. Um, find her on Twitter and join the Wedding Palace Facebook page is how you can get her. So we have another question about a young, um, what seems like this person has has wants to know how to take a book and make it into a screen. A screen. Oh, great! Um, Thank you. Do an adaptation. Mm-hmm. Um, What's your sample? It'd be um, yeah. That that's actually that's a that's a great process, and a lot of um, movie studios also. That's an excellent way to come up with um, movie material. Um, I would suggest uh, if you don't know about screenplay writing, it is actually just simply to get a book first and learn about the structure of how to construct a screenplay, uh, because it, there there are I guess you might want to say formulas involved, uh, kind of strict formulas about constructing a screenplay. So there are some good books out there um, and a lot of online um, information and resources out there. Um, And, you know, you first kind of want to learn about the structure of screenplay. And then um, if you find a great piece of source material, you know, that that's also what a lot of studios are looking for. A lot of financiers and producers are looking for is a great piece of material to start off with that has a built-in following. So I think that that's an excellent idea. Okay, great. One more question. How do you find the contact information when you say shop a movie to the um, big houses? Um, well, that's, well, pretty, I mean, there's, there are resources out there. There's, I think it's called the, like, Hollywood Creative Directory, and it's a book that is, uh, I think it is published every six months, maybe, uh, definitely every year, and it basically Mm -hmm. lists all the production companies that are out there in Hollywood. Um, They have the distributor's guide, they have a producer's guide, and it lists all the people, um, their phone numbers, their offices, I'm not sure if emails are in there right now, but, um, you know, you can actually just pick up one of those books. It's called the Hollywood Creative Directory, and, um, it, you know, that's basically anybody who's in town um, is listed in there. And just okay. pick up the phone. I mean, there is <laughs> not a book that's going to give you a step-by-step. If you start saying, I need to read a book to learn how to do this and know who to contact, then that's going to make your learning curve, I mean, just, huge because <laughs> I've, I've I've tried yeah, to find that before they, too. Um, so the best way to find people is to be actively doing what doing your project is when you get turned on to or directed or guided to that next pro, next step in that process it's hard to just say read a book there's not a book that's going to tell you everything because if it were there everybody will be doing this thing yeah, the book is actually just almost like a phone book. So if they're wanting to, <laughs> you know, try to submit their, um, trying to submit their screenplays to different production companies, that's a, actually a great resource to try to contact the companies directly. You know, if they're if they want to just um, try to go out and make a movie, um, you know, you'd actually be surprised what you find right in your own backyard. And I was. <laughs> Um, you know, yeah. to make Wedding Palace. I didn't go the studio route. You know, ultimately I went straight to 
um, Koreatown, actually, um, and it really wasn't very Hollywood at all. And uh, I literally, at one point, I felt kind of like a traveling salesman because I was going around from store to store with like a tra- with like a PowerPoint presentation and basically just talking to anybody that would talk to me. <laughs> I'd be like, "Hi, my name is Christine. You, I'm trying to make this movie. Um, I really like that wedding dress that's in the window. <laughs> you think that you do you think that I could borrow that? You can we feature that in the movie? <laughs> you know, literally like that." You know, you just kind of have to put yourself like, out there and not. Because I have done that, too. That's how I got Steinmark to do my first three shows. I'm like, God, this is oh my God. Never heard of me you from know, go anybody. Back to your, like, uh, kept having a conversation. Yeah, just go back to, like, your Girl Scout cookie sales route. <laughs> and people understand, you have to do all of this stuff your part yourself first before you can hire a team of people unless somebody's going to say, hey, I'm a, uh, I'm a Hollywood director and I want to help you, Christine, you because you're so fabulous. That's not going to happen. You're going to have to wear every single hat that there is at first. So you got to swallow some pride and the, the, grit, the, grit, the glit and the glamour comes many, many years down the road. So don't get discouraged because it's not happening fast. So I want to yes, know. I, I'm sure that we never you know. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Loretta, you know all of that because you have put the, your your talk show together, your own radio show. I mean, you know what it's like to be independent. <laughs> you have to do it that way, and and now I have a team of people, but I didn't have fars. I did not have a team, mm-hmm. not even you know. But anyway, we never talked about the characters. Can we talk about some of the major characters in the film? We had less than three minutes, and I want to talk about oh. it because I really want to mm-hmm. create this visual until people click on YouTube and, and see the trailer. But who are some of the uh, – because there's some really fun characters in the movie. <laughs> the yeah. Um, is hilarious. Yeah, Bobby Lee, he is that guy's a comic genius. He's just simply hilarious. A lot of people might remember him from Mad TV. Um, he was on that for 10 years. And um, he's in that. We had an awesome cast. Like I said, Brian T., who's the lead. We also had a um, kind of an equivalent of an Oscar-winning actress from South Korea. This is her English-language debut. She does some singing in it. It. Uh, I don't know if you guys uh, have heard of uh, Kangnam style or Gangnam style. A lot of people in the media are saying that. It's a guy named Sai. Check it out if you haven't. Over 650 million YouTube hits. Um, and the, mm. the guy out of Korea who is now on, like, KIPP FM radio, and, um, um, you know, that's some of the pop culture that's coming out of Korea right now that, you know, Wedding Palace also kind of is, is related to. And, um, you know, in terms of, like, the fun and the attitude and the, uh, you know, the idea that um, this can be global entertainment. We have Margaret Cho. Mm-hmm. Um, she's also in it. And uh, there was, I don't know if you remember a show called In Living Color back in the day. Yes, yes. Yeah, so the Everybody only the Asian actor on that. Yeah, there was um Asian actor on that named Steve Park. Um, you know, when I was growing up, I really looked up to him because he was like one of the only Asian guys on TV, you know, doing comedy. And so he was he's in our cast. <laughs> he was like he was kind of like proof, you know, that you could do it. He's in our cast. Um, he was also in Fargo and a bunch of other movies. Um, so we just had a we just had a great cast, and there's going to be a bunch of new faces people can discover too. Um, just some really funny it. comic actors. 
I absolutely love it. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for spending this hour with us, and I know that took a lot of um, your busy, busy schedule with having a movie that's going to hit the screen in just a matter of months. So um, my hat's off to you. Anything I can do on this end to support you, you got it. I just want to thank you so much for being here, Christine. You, well, everybody, you, check out Loretta. the movie April 12th, 2013, called Wedding Palace, and you will love it. Tell a friend, tell a friend, and take about five or ten people with you to see the movie. As always, I really appreciate your support of Loretta McNary Live, the radio show. We will see you on the radio next Tuesday for another exciting and fabulous show. As and like I like to say on my TV show, think positive, dream big dreams, help someone along the way, and we will talk to you all very, very soon. Enjoy your day. Thank you, Loretta. God bless. God bless you, too. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye.